When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I've got to say I'm delighted after a couple of weeks to be rejoined on this Friday bulletin by Jim Orr and Lloyd Patrick Jepson. What have I missed, guys? Anything juicy? Anything to talk about? Got a new manager, apparently. New manager, <laughs> new players. Two weeks is a long time in football, that's for sure, because the last time I was on the Axon bulletin, um, Mr. Rogers was just a rumour. You know, um, he has been installed. He's, he's uh, given a press conference that our very own James McKenzie uh, was present at. And we've got to say before we go any further, how good was James over the last couple of weeks? Superb. But he's having a well-deserved break today, uh, throwing me back in to the mix. Just as we're hearing about, as I say, some worrying rumours coming through, very strong rumours. Uh, we probably could go beyond calling it a rumour, Lloyd, when you look at some of the names that are reporting on this. Uh, Jota, apparently, is eyeing up a move to um, al Ittihad, And it obviously is a strange one, I think, because he's a guy for me who, you know, if he's serious about becoming the player that uh, both Benfica and Celtic think he can be, I'm not sure if that's the right move for him. Are you surprised this early on in his Celtic career that um, he's eyeing a move to Saudi Arabia? I was surprised yesterday when the rumours started to gather on Twitter a little bit that um, this move might actually be happening. And as usual, you wait to see if it's decent sources that come out with this kind of material, but the people that have started reporting on it, it does seem like this is a goer. And yeah. move to Saudi at this stage of his career, what is he, 24 years old? I don't think now's the time to basically be going over to Saudi Arabia, kind of retirement home at the minute. And, okay, he's going to earn a decent wage, but 
what's he going to achieve in, in his football career over there where they could go to a European team and really do something? The big thing for me is um, we've been kind of criticised um, around our snobbery, Jim. You know, looking at other football nations and being kind of snobby about it. And I think we're criticised about I'm talking about Axon, by the way. Criticised around the um, appointment of Ange Postacoglu, for example, because he had been managing in the A-League and the J-League. Um, are we being a wee bit snobby about this? Obviously, they've got huge piles of money to chuck at players. They've got Ballon d'Or winners going over there. By the way, talking of Ballon d'Or winners, Jim, I know you're a, a massive student of the Scottish game. Can you give me a few names of Scottish players who have been in the running or have won the Ballon d'Or? Let's say top five Ballon d'Or. Can you think of any? Ballon d'Or? Best player yeah. in Europe? Mm. When did it start? That's a question. Oh, well, I'll give you a clue on that one because Jimmy Johnston, Jimmy Johnston has come third um, in the tournament in 1967. So it has been going for some time. Um, and there's been a few Scottish players in and about it. There's a reason um, for this. This is obviously going to, to a shameless plug for tonight's gig. Dennis is in there. Dennis Law must be in there. Uh, Ken Wish must be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soonest, maybe, in the round, I don't know. Apart uh, from that, I can't think of anyone who, who can jump out. What's the well, Gordon Strachan. Gordon Strachan. He got, he got right. the fourth position, Jim. Fourth position yes. back in 1980. It was actually 1980, yeah. So um, there we go. I, I digress. Apologies for that. But yeah, they are they're pulling in players who are of a high standard, a high stature, Jim. But Jota, I, I was looking at the some of the potential moves this summer. I didn't think he was going to be one of them. I've got to be honest with you. We were kind of pre-warned by Ange, the now departed Ange Postacoglu, Jim, that um, we might lose one or two. That was his words. I didn't think Jot was going to be one of them, though. I think there's a wee clue there when you say they've got bags of money. That was a bit of a clue. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're Jota, you're going to earn silly money for you go there for a couple of years. Uh, why wouldn't you do that? It's a job at the end of the day. Go there a couple of years, come back loaded, pick your club, then and off you go. I think. Uh, I think we're now seeing maybe the, the sort of Ange domino effect. That I mean, last time I was on, I, I, I couldn't see Ange going, but you know, if Spurs come in for you, then, then you have to go. And all the players that Ange has brought here, I think they're going to be looking at thinking, well, we came here to play for him. He's now away. Uh, we've now become established. People know who we are. We've got, you know, a chance to move on ourselves. And, and if Jota goes, then phew, he'll be on the phone to Mark O'Reilly and some of the other guys. Well, you're earning what? And they might be off next. So I think they're a bit, a bit of an Ange Dolman. I'm not surprised that anyone would want to go somewhere where they earn silly money. And... Uh, and I suppose that obviously they're kind of maybe past their sell by dates, but if you're playing against Messi and Benzema and Ronaldo and these kind of guys, that's a wee bit of an incentive as well. And, and the world is quite a small place now. It's not like it was 40 years ago where nobody would have any idea, but you know, the fact that the Saudis are spending this kind of money, then one assumes that that's going to be on your TV at some point pretty soon if it's not already. So it's not as if they're going to be hidden away somewhere. I think the Portuguese, was it Martinez said that he'd obviously be keeping tabs on Jota, and I don't think that'll, that'll change. Whether he's playing in Saudi or not, but the big clue is they have bags of money. They've got bags of money, and then they're now starting to kind of uh, maybe take some and put them down south, which is kind of like put their nose at a joint a wee bit. So it's just the way football's going. I mean, it's just it's just mad. The money's mad. And uh, last time I was on, I said that's where we are in the food chain or the football food chain that, that you know, people come and take the best players and same way that we went and take the best players of you know, teams in Scotland or some of the other kind of smaller teams in Europe. 
it is what it is, and you know. So uh, my big concern is that kind of Ange domino effect that people, that other players start to go, particularly when they see that the sort of money Jota is going to be on if he does go. So that's a bit of a concern that we end up having to, you know, bring in a number of players and a new manager as well. So it's a bit destabilising. Uh, but hey ho, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got the tagline here. Are we about to lose another hero, Lloyd? Uh, we will be talking about a few other heroes, some new players who might become heroes at Celtic. Brendan Rodgers, who may become a hero for a second time at Celtic Park. And the type of hoops that they might be wearing when they are becoming those heroes, Lloyd. But we're at that stage now, maybe at the age of 45, I probably should have come to this realisation a long time ago. We shouldn't hero worship footballers. It's difficult, though, when you're a Celtic fan, you're so emotionally um, attached to the club and everybody that wears the green and white hoops and you do become attached to them. Um, is it that getting to that point? Uh, there was a few warning signs where Andrew was telling us, you know, don't get too attached to these guys because it could well be a two or three year stay. Um, I'm getting more and more used to it, you know, to the point where about the only player in that squad now that, that would really uh, knock me sideways if he was to move would probably be Callum McGregor. Uh, everybody else, it's fair game. If enough money is being offered, it would seem. Yeah, exactly. It's it's got to that stage now where I think, yeah, okay, they do do the job for Celtic for two or three years and then they'll move on. That's just modern football now. It's just something that we need to accept that these guys didn't grow up as Celtic fans. They're going to come over. It's their job at the end of the day, just the same as we all do our own jobs. It's they need to go and make a living, and if they're going to get offered more money to go somewhere else, they will. 90% of the time take it but it's just just modern football that's the way it I is. accept it now it is modern football and another shameless uh, Gordon Stratton plug is I'll be talking to him Jim about the advent people often look at the Premier League the introduction of the Premier League in English football the advent of the modern game and how much that's changed but I take your point in that we just need to realise where we are in that food chain accept it and say to ourselves well right we signed this guy for six million quid. It was certainly not a no-brainer. There's never a six million pound signing for Celtic that's a no-brainer because that's a huge investment um, for a club like Celtic. But we had seen what he could do for a whole year. We knew he was integrated into the system. Um, he was he was a great team player. He was a bit of a hero, as I said before. So we, we shell out the six million now. The reports that we're hearing are that Benfica have 30% on the profit of any sale. But even at that, Jim, when you do the calculations, and I know obviously throughout your life you're a figures man, it is a no-brainer for Celtic to accept the kinds of figures we're we're hearing, you know, 20 to £25 million for a player like Jota. Superb business, absolutely. Buy for six, sell for 25. Unbelievable. Even with some sort of clause of Benfica, get a chunk of that, it doesn't matter. That's the model in which we're in. You know, if you're going to spend big money on players and you hope it pays off, I think uh, the concern is when you do spend big money on players and it doesn't pay off the kind of Barca's and the uh, Jetty kind of side of things. So, and what I liked about Ange is, is, is Ange, I think, spent wisely. He didn't spend big, but when he did spend big, he spent big on players that he'd seen for a year. Mm-hmm. He knew they could do it. And if you bring, spend a lot of money on a player, it's, it's, a, it's a huge risk and one of the concerns I have is we talked about there's a massive transfer kitty for the new manager coming in. I get a kind of Dick Advocate vibes about that, but I really don't want us to go out and spend £10 million on a player or £12 million on a player. I know that other people's opinions will be different from that because it's a huge 
huge risk that you take, you know, putting all your eggs in one or two baskets. And just because you spend 10 or 12 million pounds doesn't guarantee they're going to be, you know, that they're going to do 10 million, 12 million worth of business for you. And if you only sell them on, the chances are that making money on that becomes a bit more difficult. So, yeah, I just, uh, from from the Jota point of view, you can't argue with that. Uh, I know it's disappointing, but in actual fact, what we support is the jersey. You know, it's the jersey we support. I was uh, lucky enough to go see Jerry Seinfeld in Vegas as his name's dropped a few weeks ago there. And that's, that's, that's that was a big, kind of... big drop. That was a massive oh. name drop. Super. was in Vegas. That was in Vegas too. But <laughs> one of Jerry Seinfeld's skits, he talks about you just support the, the shirt. That's all you do. It doesn't matter who's in the shirt. You just support the shirt. Because, you know, if somebody who plays for you, you support him. He goes away and plays another team and you start to boo him because he's wearing a different shirt, basically. So that's all we do is we support the shirt. doesn't matter who's in the shirt. We support the shirt. And if Jota's not in the shirt, he's history then, and we get some new person to wear the shirt, and that's what we support. Even though the shirt's rubbish. <laughs> in terms of design, the shirt is rubbish. I know you're an expert on that, Paul. I know you want to talk about that after, but my, 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 my. It's like a five-year-old kid's been given a green crayon. Get between the lines, son. Mm-hmm. I know. Anyway, I digress. It's, it seems to have ran in the wash. Um, it looks like a watercolour, like one of the beautiful watercolours behind you there. Jim, I'm not Indeed. sure if they are watercolours. My artistic knowledge is not as good. Um, some would say it's not that great either, uh, as my We support knowledge. the jersey. That was a punch. We support we the jersey. We do support the jersey. What I'm going to say, though, Lloyd, right, and I'm not about to try and sell all our best players. I've said time and time again, I don't like quality players leaving Celtic. I just don't like that because I want to build on what we've got. I remember uh, a few years ago now, Colin Watt and I were standing in a toll booth in Stirling and we had a guest lined up. It was a, obviously a paid recording studio. The guest couldn't make it and we had to think on our feet and do a podcast based on basically, you know, one of thing that you used to read in the shoot magazine. The best Celtic 11 from the last 10 years. But when we did it, what became pretty clear within that conversation was that there's a sweet moment, that there really is a sweet moment where if the worlds all align at the same time, Lloyd, you can have a collection of players, and we've seen it a few times with other clubs, a collection of players who can really do some damage. And when you looked at that collection of players Celtic had at that time in the previous 10 years, you know, you could have built a team that had Van Dyke and Foster, Wanyama and Tierney, who will come back to. And, and you're looking at that thinking, wow, imagine that team was playing in the Champions League. Celtic don't really have that luxury. And that's why I don't like a player like Jota, who's only been here for a couple of seasons, one season permanently, to go too soon. But then I look at the what Jim is saying, and I look at that £25 million, there or thereabouts, and I know that, that um, 30% or so of that profit will be going elsewhere. And I think to myself, well, twofold. Firstly, we reinvest it and we reinvest it wisely. And I think certainly in the last couple of years, we have been investing wisely in recruitment. But secondly, it goes back to a conversation that we had, I think, a few weeks ago. And then I was getting involved in the comments section at half past six in the morning when I was away for a break, talking about undervaluing our players. So it's almost as if, right, you sell a player and that's your marker. And then if you sell another top player, that should be your marker. And that marker for a wee while was Kieran Tierney at 25 million quid. But that was a long time ago that we sold him now. And people forget and people never talk about Celtic players going for 25 million pounds. And I, I was of the view, Lloyd, that we've got a, a group of players that I would value in and around the same ballpark. And the guys like Jota are that type of player. Or Hitati, for example. 
heaven forbid if we were ever to sell Carter Vickers, and I hope we don't. That's the figure you're looking at for me. And and I said it mm-hmm. last week or during the week, 20 to 25 for your top, top half dozen players. Some people scoff at that, Lloyd, but if you do sell Jota, then it is putting a, a marker down and it's saying, well, this is what we want if you're wanting one of our best players. Yeah, exactly. It's You need to remember everyone's got a price in this team. And it's like you're saying there, Paul, Hitati, if somebody came in with a 20, 25 million pound bid in for Hitati, you're expecting them to go because that would roughly be around about his value. Same with Carter Vickers or anybody else. Every player in that team has a price, but it's when they start selling them lower than the value that becomes a problem. And we've seen it time and time again with the Celtic board that they have done that previously. I, I still think that Van Dyke was under sold, but yeah. other people might have a different opinion to me in that one. Um, Tierney probably went for what I expected them to go to. So these things need to... It's what you do with the money that you get back in as well. If you reinvest it, you can. So, for instance, if Jota does go for, let's say, 25 million, Celtic will probably get 19 million pounds of that, reinvest that in two or three quality players back in that squad. And then the squad gets more strength rather than what you've lost. So, it's all about just that turnover at every point. And that's what the club needs to start doing a lot better, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, they've done it not so bad recently in the last three years. So, it could be something that really could get improved upon. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now, Lloyd, you've got a Celtic picture behind you, right? And you're disguising it with your head at the moment. Is that Jot or is it Kyogo? My sight's not the best. It's Kyogo, right? Okay, well, we're not, going to let, we're not going to let Kyogo go for 16 million. I think that's what sparked the discussion. There was mm-hmm. a chat during the week there about Kyogo. 16 million pounds was a figure. And I was saying, wait a minute, even at 28, um, 16 million pounds, you know, that that's not even in the reckoning for me. This kind of figure for Jota 2025, yeah, I can understand it. Jim, again, going back to the money before we move on to some of the other um, topical subjects of discussion in the world of Celtic. When you look at the way that we've been doing business, and we've mentioned Tierney for 25, Van Dyke, I think once we got the sell on when he went to Liverpool, we ended up making 20 million quid. It was 12 million pound plus the eight, I think that was the figures for a player who we picked up for two and a half million pounds. And then you've got Musa Dembele, of course, who went for just under 20 million pounds. We're talking about a fourth player that we could be selling within that ballpark. That is incredible business, isn't it, Jim, for a club who are restrained by the league in which we play? Yeah, I have a couple of things. One, you obviously need somebody to want to buy the player. So that just depends. That just means your luck sometimes. And I think uh, uh, the timing of things, and maybe you get more than one interested party, some sort of bidding going on between the two of them. So a lot of that's with your control. It's also the fact they play in Scotland, which doesn't, doesn't register for a lot of people. So unless your guys do well in Europe... Unless they see, they think this is this is a special, special talent. I think we'll always struggle to get, to get big money. So I'm not so sure that the Tierney benchmark, 25 million, is entirely fair. Uh, if we get that money for Jota, I think it's to do with the fact that it's the Saudis, and they've 
silly money to spend. And the sixteen million pound, you say, well, that sounds a bit low, but 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 the club that's bidding for that, maybe that's the kind of ballpark that they're in. So you really want a bigger club than them to come in, because because I think I found, I mean, not to get back too much to Ange there. I, mean, I was bemused that somebody like Spurs would want Ange because because these teams shop in a completely different market mm-hmm. to us, and why they would want the Celtic managers is beyond me. Because I was watching the, it was at the Champions League semi final the other week, Man City played Real Madrid. And the commentator says something about the Man City left back, whose name I can't remember. He says, it just shows you you can get a bargain for 15 million. Right? And you're thinking, a bargain for 15 million? That's just, you know, ridiculous amount of money. So it's like it's like Man City coming for Taylor, you know, for me. You know, that would never happen. That's not the market that they, they work at. So <laughs> if a Man City come in for a Celtic player, yeah, you're talking about 20, 30 million, because that's the money they can spend. So I think it's just it's just your luck in terms of when people come in. Football is a mad market. It's not like any other, but it's not like most businesses whereby all of a sudden you find this guy who's really good, somebody wants to pay you silly money for them, you know, and it's just your luck at times. So you do well if you can buy a player for something and you sell them for three, four, five times that amount. That's an astonishing bit of business. I think uh, any time any club expresses an interest in a player, they're away. Because what you don't want is, a, is, a, is an unhappy player. And I think that was one of the issues that, in the last new Lennon season there with a few players who didn't want to be there, could have earned big mm-hmm. money somewhere else. We could have sold them for, 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 for big money at the time. We've had a few players, I think, in the last three or four years who missed the chance. And Cham rings a bell well, comes to mind there in terms of somebody who we could yeah. have made a lot of money on but didn't. But Yata, we could have made a lot of money but didn't. You know, I'm not sure if Rogers was there. Yeah, he was there that time, wasn't he? But Yata. He was. Cham. He was. Was he there Cham? When, when Cham was going yeah. to was it? I, I mentioned just the other week there on the blog, actually, Jim, that there were three players that came to my mind, and it was Boyata and Cham and Craig Gordon, because Chelsea placed a bid for four million quid on Craig Gordon, a goalkeeper who wasn't fancied initially by Brendan Rodgers, but who became mm-hmm. his number one. And we knocked yeah. back those three bids while Brendan Rodgers was in charge, and it showed you right. the kind of belief in the back end that he had that you know twenty million quid or or more than that was not back because we were talking £9 million mm-hmm. for Bayata at that time mm-hmm. £4 million for, for Gordon some ridiculous fee for Olivier uh, and Cham as well and we ended up losing all three of those players for night not a penny did we recoup for any of the three players because it's also a double-edged sword how do you keep these guys happy if they know they could have double tripled their wages somewhere else and you've actually kept them there even though you can say well they've got a four-year contract they're going to stay but you've got an unhappy player so I think it's difficult it's a difficult thing to manage it is. I'm going to bring in the comments. Uh, it's been a long time since I've managed to to do that. And as I say, another big shout out to James McKenzie, who I thought at 19, and we shouldn't always use the age, right? But we used to do it with Leo Bada. He's only 19. Remember, that was a caveat every time you spoke about a Bada. Um, obviously, James uh, McKenzie is more akin to Jota when it comes to style uh, with that uh, mullet. But he's only 19. He sat in the hot seat for two weeks. I thought he was superb as a host. Um, and also, not only that, he was uh, involved in the Brennan Rogers kind of welcome back press conference. I thought he'd done really, really well with his question. Um, and he ended up on Sky Sports News as well, um, given his take on Brendan's return. So a big shout out to James, and hopefully we'll see a lot more of him hosting because that's all I've been getting for a fortnight. Maybe James should be the permanent host. Maybe you need to hang up your mic Thanks very much, guys and girls, for all those comments, by the way. Jungle Lion, looks like Celtic will be playing five-a-side tournaments next season. This is the big kind of concern for me, Lloyd, because we've built this team and 
you know, Ange himself said that he was surprised um, or maybe were a wee bit ahead of schedule in season one. You then look at season two and you're looking for these incremental improvements and in particular in Europe um, that, you know, you can just build on the fact that we've just done a domestic treble there. Incredible that we've done a domestic treble and all we seem to be talking about is people leaving, Rogers coming back. We've never really had that time to really enjoy it. I know you got involved in the celebrations, but to really just bask in the glory all summer, you know, the bragging rights all over the summer because we've got all these other things getting thrown at us. Um, and that's my big frustration as Jungle Lions. You, you don't want to lose a core of a successful side. Um, but just before we came on live, I says to you that Brendan Rodgers would not have taken this job if all this information wasn't already laid out in front of him. You know, there's no way that there's going to be a low bowler. There's not going to be any of that, that Brennan Rogers within the first month or two is going to be unhappy. Uh, you know, are you more confident this time round that that is the case? Yeah, I think you've got to be. It's it, Why else would they have took the job if they didn't know these type of bids and that were going to come in for our top players? So obviously he's obviously got the recruiting team list, basically, who's been scouted and who they're looking to bring in as well, so maybe he might pull a few gems out of that one to replace these kind of players. So you, mm-hmm. you just don't know with these type of things, but I definitely do believe that Brendan wouldn't have taken the job if he knew half that team was going to go. I think that's disappointing. And be replaced, about, 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 and be replaced about, by Loney's. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. No, I think that's disappointing <laughs> about, about, about Ange going in that season one was really good and season two was better mm-hmm. than season one, and you're looking for season three to be better than season two. Maybe that was Europe incrementally better. So a few tweaks here and there. And you're now talking about maybe not a few tweaks, maybe some bigger changes than that. And that just is a bit destabilising. So that's a bit of a concern. It is. And by the way, I've got to say, at the very top of the show, we spoke about Jota, we spoke about sources, Lloyd. Um, Mm -hmm. And on that Celtic state of mind, it's not a case. Believe me, it's not a case. I've seen the uh, agendas that, that James was sending out to the contributors to say this is the topics of discussion. There's never a day where you come onto the Axon Bulletin and, and there's nothing to discuss. That I mean, that is just not the case. Um, and even if it was, you've got 130-odd years of history that you can tap into. I mean, we're going to be talking a wee bit about Strack because he's coming to town tonight to talk to a Celtic Strack? Station. Was that Strack? Strack. Right. We Goxie. We Goxie. Yeah. Strack. Um, okay. Busy, busy pals. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm only trying to compete with your name dropping here, Jim. And, uh, okay. you know... When you come on and you're thinking, right, it's the summer, it's a transfer window, there is going to be speculation around a whole host of players. And you can go back on all the different transfer windows that we've covered. Loads of the names ended up coming to Celtic and quite a few of them didn't. Uh, obviously, the quite a few of the headlines back in the day was, should we sign Tony or a Yeti? And we know how that went. So we will talk about the players. And it's not about promoting the red tops, as, as uh, someone said on social uh, media yesterday. It's not about that at all. We're talking about Jota because the sources that are actually backing this story up are solid. They're credible. Um, when we spoke about Brendan Rodgers coming back to the club, Jim, the source that we were looking at, Kevin Graham and I, was Stephen McGowan. And you know that, and by the way, I've said this before and I'll say it again, some people think that Stephen McGowan's got a, a hotline to Celtic Park and he doesn't. He's just a very good journalist. He's an investigative journalist. He does the old school thing. He's got sources. He's got uh, people with, with ears to the ground and he gets the story. And when he runs it, 
you think to yourself, well, I'm pretty confident that there's the substance in what he's saying. So it's okay to discuss, Jim. It's okay to discuss because I think there was a bit of criticism the other day about us discussing the possibility of a return for Kieran Tierney. And we've already mentioned him today because we've got a great amount of money for him. I would much rather Kieran Tierney went to Newcastle, and I know we've got a couple of Newcastle fans who come in and out of the, the chat, because if he was to do that, we'd probably end up getting three or four million quid as a sell-on that we can reinvest in in, in the side, Jim. I don't want us to go back to the short-termism of bringing in loan players. That's what I don't want, because we've seen it before. We've seen it with even El Yunusi. It worked pretty well. We've seen it with Paddy Roberts. It worked pretty well. Fraser Foster worked particularly well. But I want something that's a wee bit mid to long term. If we're going to invest, we do it the, the way that we've done it with Jota. Jim, what's your thoughts on the short-termism of some of the names that you've seen, such as Kieran Tierney? I would wonder why Kieran Tierney wanted to come back. I mean, that would be kind of almost admitting things didn't work out for him down south. So I, I can't see that happening. So I don't think it's, don't think it's worth talking about. Uh, the loan thing's interesting. I think when you want some sort of strategy, you need some sort of strategy. I think Ange was really good at that. I'm not sure if Brendan was so good at that last time in some of the loans that we brought in. Was that was that Ollie Buck time? Was that Tim Ollie Way? Buck, was, yeah. These, these guys. And, and so, you know, I've got some misgivings about how things worked out last time Brendan was here but he's the manager so we all support the manager uh, what was the question loans coming in uh, it's kind of again it's difficult if you want a really really good player and it's going to cost too much money and you can get him on loan why wouldn't you do that but does that destabilise other players in the team if they find out that he's earning silly money and you'll know again that's a bit of a balance in that you'd much rather buy your own players rather than bring in loanees uh, and have some sort of strategy. And that's what was good about Jota and Carter Vickers. Bring them in, a years-long loan with an option to buy. They cut the mustard. We buy them for quite a lot of money in Celtic terms. And if Jota goes for what he goes for, then it's a complete success. And if Carter Vickers goes, which he may or may not want him to go, he'll go for that kind of money as well. As well. So that's a success. Disappointed that we'd be. But the loan market for me doesn't, doesn't work. I mean... I'm trying to think. Laxalt, he was a loan guy, wasn't he? I'm just trying to think of some of the guys recently who... John Joe Kenny. John Joe Kenny. Oh, <laughs> John Joe Kenny. Oh, that, Daniel, that, Daniel Toyan as well. I mean, th- there's been some decent players. I, I loved uh, Jason Denier. I thought Denier had a very good partnership mm-hmm. with Van Dyke. He's a name that c- crops up time and time again, and people say that's just lazy recruiting, you know, if, if you're going to go back to Lloyd scout makes, reports. Sorry, but in there. But the point Lloyd makes of John Joe Kenny... Why would you bring John Joe Kenny in when you've got Tony Rolson there? Is he significantly better than Tony Rolson? No, he's not. If you're going to bring in somebody, it has to be a kind of... I mean, I think Weir was meant to be a kind of superstar in the making. Yeah. See, whoa, 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 that superstar here. But you're not going to bring somebody who's a wee bit better than what you've got. Why would you do that? And pay them silly money as well. And all that can lead to is resentment for the players that are there. You brought in this guy who's no much better than me and pay them silly money. That doesn't work. So I think, again, that's what Andrew's good at. I think, and hopefully Brendan has maybe learned these lessons from last time, and he manages whatever budget he's got wisely. That, that, that that's a wee concern I have, because I think you look back at the evidence of last time, and I think I think if we're bringing in Brendan Rodgers for the first time, I'd be excited about that. I'd be hugely excited, but but given the evidence of what happened last time, my views are a wee bit mixed. When and Lewis Ange as well was disappointing, so hey, hey, hey. Big time. I do want to talk a bit about Brendan Rodgers because I haven't spoken about him since he returned to the club. 
Um, mm. And by the way, there was a comment came in, and I thought for a minute that Michael was that Mark rather was talking about me, wee bit of a fake tan and a fake tash. Send them Mikey Johnson. Um, we'll see what happens to Mikey Johnson. Incidentally, uh, but yeah, Pete McGee. Here we go. Uh, this is a this is a pertinent point by Pete. It's not his potential leaving that annoys him. It's the thought that an intelligent, articulate young guy would look beyond the disgraceful regime's human rights record, all for the sake of the dollar. And yes, you're absolutely right, because all of that seems to go out the window when it comes to the to the money in football. I mean, I, I read just over the last few days, probably wouldn't have mentioned it if I hadn't come up here, about Robbie Keane. Um, and the managerial position that he's taken up at Maccabi Tel Aviv. And I've read some of the uh, response to that. These footballers don't care where the money comes from. They don't care how dirty the money is, as long as they can line their pockets. And I think that's one thing I'm not happy about in the slightest, uh, but it does obviously come down to uh, money. And I think, Pete, you've, you've come up uh, with a really good point there. Back in the old uh, the 70s, the NASL, Jim, you'll remember it, where they were basically bringing in all the top stars from global soccer, as they called it back then. But it was different because they weren't in their prime. Uh, you know, they were over the hill. You've seen George Best playing for a number of American clubs in the NASL and Pelly and Beckenbauer. They were all over there making plenty of dough, but they'd already achieved what they wanted to achieve. I think that's what I find a wee bit surprising about this move. But as you say, a couple of years down the line, he could come back in and play for another team in Europe, if indeed that is his ambition. Now, John Sweeney comes in also on the YouTube. If you're watching on the channel, give us a big thumbs up. And if you want to comment, then subscribe to the channel and you'll be able to, like John Sweeney, comment on the stream. With Jota and Moy, this leads us on to Moy leaving. I'm hoping we don't lose any other of our star players and recruitment needs to be spot on to replace these players. Absolutely. And what I could maybe throw back at you there, John, is that perhaps the two players we've already brought in was with Moy and Jota in mind, and we'll talk about those two as well. But the news broke there this morning, just as I was coming in, actually, um, Lloyd, about Moy, Aaron Moy. He's retired. He's got this uh, debilitating back problem. I think you could see it. it. He struggled to get back to full fitness, didn't he? When when he came into Celtic side twice, we saw him coming in initially, didn't really set the header alight, built himself up to probably what his peak is, back out the side for a while, and he couldn't really get back up to that peak. So he's retired. He's 32 years of age. I mean, dead young for a footballer. Um, a surprisingly, for me, a surprisingly good cameo from Aaron Moy coming in at that stage of his career, but equally quite surprised that he's called it a day. What was your reaction to the news this morning, Lloyd? Yeah, I was a bit gutted the fact, obviously, the news has broke that he has retired because I thought he, when he came in, obviously he had that kind of shaky start, especially St Myrna away when he first came in, but his form around about November, December time, right through to January, up to his injury, he was fantastic in that team. And obviously, he had another decent song, so that's two decent songs we're potentially losing as oh, well. So. so it is, yep. So you've got that downside to it as well. But listen, all the best to him in his retirement. You know, what I mean, he's, if he's suffering with an injury, then you don't want that prolonging any longer because it's a short career and life's to be lived. I was just going to say that, Lloyd, right? Because I mean, Aaron Moy seems to be the type of player for me. I, I think he was terrifically gifted as a footballer. This was a bit of a an unusual move at the time, I felt quite underwhelming for a lot of Celtic fans. 
But he done he done a brilliant job actually. If you look at you know what he did last season and a great campaign as well, Jim done a brilliant job. But when you see players, and I know it's it's related to an injury, but this is a guy who was playing top level, he was playing World Cup football last season, and he's retired at thirty two. I'm always a bit sad when I see a player um, winding down like that. There's a few. Excels out there who, for me, didn't maximise their career. Uh, you know, you look at the likes of Lee Griffiths over, you know, he's playing for a, a team in Australia that is such a level that I can't even find the stats for appearances and goals because nobody's interested in the level of football that he's playing. Tony Stokes has been at the game now for three, four years, never kicked a ball. He's only 33, 34 years of age. So I always find it quite sad. 32, what, are you, what an age to retire, Jim. I think this kind of links back into the previous conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure Aaron Moy has, has earned significant amounts of money in football. I'm not sure what teams he's played for, but I can't imagine he's earned big money. So I'd imagine he'd have wished he went to Saudi Arabia when he was 25 or whatever. So that, that's an issue. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I think uh, in terms of football, as, as Lloyd said, it's a short career. So you want to maximise your earnings. You can't, yeah, uh, you never criticise players when they maximise their earnings, even if they're going to maybe <laughs> countries that you'd rather they didn't go to. Hey ho, you know, it's it, it's a job at the end of the day. Uh, in terms of Moy, it's, 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 it's a shame because you know, he, he was really good last, last season, did play well in the World Cup. And uh, it must be a shattering thing to have to do. You know, all of a sudden you're. You've won, a, you've, you've won a treble, you've got your own song. As Lloyd says, you played in the World Cup and that's you having to pack it in. I mean, that must be devastating. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of, we see it kind of, okay, he's just retired, but for his, you know, what's he going to do now? You know, it's a, such, a, such a shame. Such a shame. It really is. And these footballers, of course, they've done nothing else because in order to, yeah. to make the grade and come through the academy, everything else goes on the back burner and that includes education a lot of the time. Back in the day, Jock's team was keen to get the players an apprenticeship and all that. That's all gone. If you don't make mm-hmm. it in football, it's almost like you're rejoining the food chain a wee bit later on. He's only 32 and he's retired. So we wish Aaron Moy all the very best. You're talking about songs, Lloyd. For anybody new that's tuning in to a Celtic state of mind. Um, we've got to remind you that back in November, December time, we released a single. It was an ambition. It was a personal ambition at some point to release a single. It was never going to happen on the back of my own musical ability. Uh, so we employed the ability of others to do all that kind of stuff, be that the singing, the songwriting, the producing, the videography, the whole thing. I did direct the video, though. I'm taking credit for that. And the song was called The Glory and the Dream. And, and what we did with that is we released it for charity 
and a charity that we've been supporting for the last couple of years is St Mary's the birthplace of Celtic of course uh, we don't mention it that often now because obviously around about the time that we launched that single for a few months afterwards we pushed it big time it's now had about 27,000 views on YouTube which is great that'll, that'll continue to rise forever more it's a cracking tune. There's a real good history behind it. We'll probably do a wee video on the background to the tune as well. It was written by JJ Gilmore of The Silencers and Gary John Kane of The Proclaimers. Um, it was performed by The Wakes, uh, featuring Carly Connor on backing vocals. Um, so give it a wee spin. Um, you keep, we're raising funds, as I say, for Celtic's birthplace. You can download the track underneath this particular video. What we're going to move on to in terms of our charity fundraising, um, and again, you can read more about this on the link underneath the video, is a wee guy called Jamie Tierney. We Jamie's only four, and uh, his parents have been devastated by a debil debilitating condition uh, that the young man has, the young warrior, as we call him. And what we've been doing over the last few months is raising as much as we can at the live events that we do, uh, primarily once a month in Glasgow. But uh, pushing on from there, there's going to be a few announcements on kind of bigger fundraising initiatives because the family actually needs £60,000 a year just to pay for the treatment for young Jamie. It's not available in the UK and he has to go to the other side of the world. He needs to go to the States to get it three times a year, 20 grand a pop. And I, I believe that with the fundraising that we've done in the past and also the amount of people who actually tune into the show, follow us on the socials, uh, get the email updates and all that kind of stuff, that we could do a couple of big events every single year and hopefully lighten the burden a wee bit on the family. So, uh, yes, loads more on that to come tonight. We've actually got a signed Celtic jersey that the family were able to get their hands on. And already one generous Axom listener um, has bid 500 quid for it. Incredible stuff. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the charity initiatives. And we're hoping to help Wee Jamie and his family um, throughout the coming seasons as well. We've spoken about Moy and we've spoken about Jota, two players who may or may not, in the case of Moy, he will not be wearing the hoops next season. Um, but I want to talk about the hoops, Lloyd, because I know you love your Celtic jerseys as much as I do. And um, I remember the uh, the social media, you know, uh, leaks. There were some kind of hazy pictures that appeared and people are saying, well, you know what, that looks like a fake. Yes, it did look like a fake. Unfortunately, um, our fears were kind of realised during the week where we got a couple of official photographs. You saw that uh, that hoop that wasn't quite straight. You saw the shading that looked like crocodile skin and all that kind of stuff. And it has been confirmed today. We have all the images which we'll be sharing on the socials and elsewhere. That is the new jersey. That's the new home kit from Adidas. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. As we said before, we talk about all things Celtic here, even the fabric of the club. So tell me, what do you think about that home jersey that's been released today? Abomination. That's literally all I've got to say about it. It's just an absolute abomination. Who signed that off? Well, really? you know this. You know this, right? See, when I was doing my research on the Celtic jerseys, and, and Jim will remember this vividly, in the early 90s, Celtic released two jerseys, home and away. Back then, there was only two jerseys, not the four, plus the two goalie strips that you get now. And the, the Celtic board signed off on a sponsor that had red, white and blue on it. People's Ford, you'll remember it, Jim. Yeah. And uh, there was a furore around that. It was very, very controversial. 
Um, and I think uh, the young kid on the Celtic collection video described it as bogging or honking <laughs> or all of the above. Uh, but with the hoops, Jim, you look at the hoops, and I've heard a couple of arguments. I'm going to have to throw a few counter-arguments in here, by the way, because people say, oh, there's only so much you can do with the hoops. It's nice to do something different. I disagree with that. I think the hoops are the hoops. Don't mess with them, right? And every three or four years, we change kit supplier anyway. So they've only got to come up with three or four designs. So don't mess with the design. Jim Orr, what's your thoughts? It's not really my bag, the old jersey. And if, I, if, I, if, I, if I, a young, trendy man like Lloyd says it's an abomination, then you know who am I to argue with that? As I said earlier, it looks as if they gave a green crayon to a five-year-old kid and said, try and keep between the lines, son. No, no, you've, you've done your best, but hey-ho. Uh, yeah, it's not my thing. I mean, I, 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 how, how can you get so badly wrong? Uh, as, as Lloyd said, people signing off on, it's just, it's just a hoop. You know, how, how hard can it be? And uh, something that resembles the Lisbon top, if you get close to that, there's slight variations on that, fine. But, but I kind of, uh, when I saw it on the kind of Axe Home chat uh, a few weeks ago, I thought it was a joke. And then obviously I've seen it today in social media and you think, well, it's not a joke. It's uh, it's for real. And I can't see it being looked upon in the future. People looking back thinking, well, that actually was okay. I can't see any any way people would say that. No. Abomination. I'll, I shall uh, go avoid that one. Yeah. And by the way, this is another thing, right? Obviously, we all support the club. And when the club releases something, you, you try generally to get behind it. But you've got to also be honest about these things. And I've looked at every... And by the way, people going about the hoops, I had to write something like 500 words about every single set of hoops that we've ever had. And some mm-hmm. seasons, there was a line that was added to the collar. And you had to write another 500 words on that design masterpiece. And by the way, they were masterpieces back in the day under Umbro uh, more often than not. But yeah, I think they've got it horrendously wrong. Would they have got away with the clean hoops and the black together? I don't know. It looks more like a sport and Lisbon kind of effort. I remember back mm-hmm. in the day, Nike, there was rumours, Lloyd, I don't know if you remember this, Nike done away with Barcelona's famous stripes, the, the you know, the vertical stripes, I'm going to say blue and red. I know that's a different shade of red, right? The blue and red, the famous Barcelona stripes, they've done away with them and there was a rumour that they were going to do the same with Celtic's hoops. They were going to do away mm-hmm. with them. Um, Celtic's board in the 1990s uh, were presented with a number of prototypes from Gola who were trying to do away with the hoops and there was a zigzag effect, like a static effect, which put me in mind of this Adidas top. Yeah, no fan. Anybody that's out there who hasn't seen it already, we do have the images and we'll be sharing them on the socials as well. I'm going to try and be positive, though. I like the fact that they've used the original crest on the back. You know the red with the, the Celtic cross that appeared on the original jersey back in 1888? I'll give it nice a one for that. Give it a one out of ten for that one, yes. Maybe, actually, I, I, actually, maybe when you see it up close, and maybe when you see it live, maybe it does look a bit better. Who knows? Because I always think back to when the... I've never bought tops. I bought a few tops of the plays. So I bought the mm-hmm. kind of what we call the George Cadet top, call it that. An actual fact, when you see that up close, it's, it's a it's a it's a masterpiece. You know, the kind of what's actually. I mean, obviously you're the expert, Paul. And you can you can talk to this, but in terms of the the content of that, let's call it the George Cadet top. What was in it? And uh, on you go, Paul. Over to you. What was in that? <laughs> well, that that is an interesting point because they did mess with the hoops because the change there was two different sizes of hoops on that top. There was a thin hoop followed by the big thick one, and then you had all the shading in between. It did look a bit. Kind of overdone, but as you say, in time, 
it seemed detail, to have stood the test of time. Yeah. In terms of the yep. detail, there was so much in it. The Celtic so right in. Yep, absolutely. The hoops on the, on the collar that at that time it was cool to put up, like Cantona and all these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this is going to turn into a cult classic. We've now seen the, the three jerseys that we're going to have and potentially the fourth one as well, if you want to look at the, the white one with the badge and all that, Lloyd. So, yeah, four jerseys seems to be the norm. Who is going to be wearing them? Support the jersey, as Jim said before. Um, let's talk about Brendan, because I know everybody's had the opportunity to talk about him in the last two weeks. I have not, uh, because I've, I've been sunning up in Aberdour Silver Sands. Um, the return of Brendan Rodgers. So that story began very much the same as the Kieran Tierney story or the Jota story, Lloyd, where you're looking at the sources and you're thinking good, bad or indifferent. And it became pretty evident quickly that there was legs in the story of Brendan Rodgers. And I know that he had been up looking at a couple of the games. By the way, they were not connected to the club in any way. He was up with, with Willie Hockey and it was just a personal thing where he was invited up to look at uh, a couple of the games. He's been keeping an eye on them. He is now the gaffer. And, you know, I was looking at the press conference that James attended brilliantly, expertly and so professionally as well. And the way that he was he was basically mapping out what he wants to do at Celtic. I thought it was interesting that he looked back on his previous tenure and whilst he accepted that it hurt a lot of people, we didn't get that apology that some people wanted, Lloyd. I didn't think we ever would. And to be honest with you, I think he apologised he'd be winning silverware. But he did point out the fact that there was an issue with recruitment back then, Lloyd. You know, he said that that was the big challenge for him. It was confusing. There was players of a certain standard that he was happy with. There was others that he certainly was not happy with. Um, And it seems to me, or it seemed to me looking through that, and that's all we can do at this stage, looking through that interview, that he's probably went away, ruminated about his Celtic career. I think he's improved as a coach when you look at what he'd done at Leicester. I can't focus on just the fourth season. You've got to take the whole package and what he's achieved there. He's come back as a bit of a different beast, but it seems that the challenge he sees for Celtic is to become more powerful, to become stronger, to become a more aggressive football team. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Brendan Rodgers. What's your take on it? Yeah, I kind of get the same kind of take as well, because he did say in his press conference that he's only here to win. And that's it. Obviously, I add a bit of the physicality of the team as well but he seems quite content with the way the recruitment and everything's now done with the club with the type of players that we're going looking for as well so it can only be positive from here on out that he's came back the way the structure of the club's run now rather compared to when he left because obviously when he left there was rumours going about that there was some behind the scenes issues obviously back then that he wasn't quite happy with so these things have obviously changed and hopefully the club's in a better place for it under Brendan. Now, we're all body language experts, Lloyd, aren't we? We, <laughs> we became body language experts during the COVID season because we had to be. And we were looking at the sidelines, Jim, and looking at the way that you know John Kennedy was interacting with Neil Lennon and, and all of a sudden we knew mm. what the relationship was, of course. But going into the press conference, I thought that, it was painful to watch when Peter Lowell was introducing it to the, mm-hmm. the media. He didn't seem comfortable, Jim. Did you get that vibe from Peter Lowell? The colossus that, that is Peter Lowell that, that's normally holding court in scenarios like that? As I said earlier, I've got mixed feelings about him coming back. Uh, he's the manager, so you get behind the manager. Uh, I think, I mean, 
and the few times Alan Morrison's been on Fridays, mm. fascinating to listen to Alan. Off a wee bit of a tangent here, but last season my player of the year was Rio Hitati. I thought he was brilliant. But when Alan came on before, he would say things like, well, you know, he's not very good at this, not very good at that. And what you notice is the big moments. You notice the big moments of Tati. And I think with the new manager, and you look back on it, you think about the big moments. You, know, you think about Rogic winning the Invincible Treble. You think about the 10 men at Ibert winning the games. But you take a wee step back and you look at some of the other stuff and you think, maybe that's not so clever. You know, maybe it has, has it learned from that. Because an Invincible season, we get 106 points. The following season, we get 82. Mm. So that's not too clever. In this league, you know, both teams last season, two top teams get over 90 points. We won the league with 82 points that season. The following season, albeit Neil Lennon came in at the end of it, we get 87. So in terms of league performances, apart from the Invincible season, wasn't that good? Wasn't that clever? Europe, Europe wasn't bad, it was embarrassing. Barcelona's and PSG. Mm. I think it was John Sweeney that had, had, had the comments and we talked about recruitment. Recruitment's key. The one thing that Ange was superb at was recruitment, right? Because everything then flows from that. You buy the right players to fit in the team you want to play. That's key. Was his recruitment that good first time round? Mixed again, loans again. So from from, a, from an evidence point of view, that's why I'm saying I'm a bit mixed in terms of coming. Try to be positive, get behind the manager, brilliant. And if, you, if, if he's standing there with a treble next May, brilliant, he's the right appointment. Uh, what I didn't want was a kind of work experience manager. Because when people mm-hmm. talk about Maresca, I'm thinking, well, we don't want a Maresca. We don't want, <clears throat> no, that's a John Barnes or a Neil Lennon or a Liam Brady type. But we don't want that. We want an experienced manager to come in and do a good job. So, and was it, Maresca was getting mentioned by people in the Peter Law camp, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, what you said earlier, what Lloyd said earlier, was, was a bit of an issue between Peter Law and the manager before, and is, does he want Maresca? And how do you actually pick a manager? You know, they all sit around the table as the board and all sort of vote, and then they didn't say, no, I'm having him. <laughs> don't care what you say, I'm having him. So that's why my feelings are a wee bit mixed, uh, because I think you always like to go in evidence and what happened last time. Also, as it's been, you know, a lot of things on social media have ever said that the opposition are much stronger than they were last time. It's not, you know, Josh Windass or... Joey Garner, Harry, somebody, whoever they had at the time. You know, this is this is a better team with a better manager. And that was the thing I said. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That last game at Ibrooks there, uh, I didn't say it was a must-win game, but it was a game that we had to go there and not lose so that we could say, look, you know, we played you six times last season, you didn't lay a glove on it. Get, get, get that doing, you know, that boys them up. And then the other thing was, and I said at the time, is the fact that next season, because of the bonkersness of the SPFL, it's going to be one of our tougher seasons because we have this cycle. Easier season, harder season, easier season, harder season. Last season was, was, was an easier season because how you start's the most vital thing. So you want Aberdeen at home, Hearts at home, Hibs at home, the Glasgow Derby at home. And we got all that last season. You win the first Glasgow Derby 4-0, you put the marker down. This season it's the opposite. We're going to Petrodi, we're going to Ibrox, we're going to Tynecastle, we're going to Easter Road in that first 
series of games. And because of the split, we're going to have to go back there an extra time. So it's a much harder league than it was last season. We may have a bit of turbulence there. So I've also said since New Year that I don't think there's much between those two teams over a 90-minute game. And again, the evidence of the games we've had so far, we tend to back that up. So, you know, I think next season's going to be pretty tough, pretty tight season. And uh, and Ange going, as I said, I'm, I'm just hoping that that domino effect... I'm not trying to be negative because we'll see that old negative guy again. I just think... I was looking forward to Ange season three. Now we've got, so we got Brendan 2.0. So, hmm? Yeah, we were wait. Yeah, we were waiting on Anne season three, and it was cancelled. And you know, it yeah. took us a wee bit of a surprise. The rug was pulled from under our feet. Um, and I'm getting told by the Urban Culture that Sorrow is away on Onu uh, to bring up the old uh, Enrico Anoni chat. Yeah. However, um, it looks as though Sorrow is going to be clinching a permanent move. To let me just check who it is Panathinaikos are in for him. Uh, still got. His age, obviously, he's, he's not even 25 yet. Is uh, Soro? He came in. I thought he made a bit of an instant impact. Um, the game was it uh, against Lille. He came in with David Turnbull, and uh, you know, I think Ewan Henderson played that night. Connor Hazard. He looked really good, um, but then he was pretty rash. Uh, you know, I think he would be a quite a difficult player to manage. Uh, come in, you know, unha- he's not happy until he gets booked. Um, and we've seen Ange Postacoglu utilising them as much as possible in the first season when the squad uh, really needed to be utilised. But yes, I don't think I'm going to cry any tears over sorrow leaving the club, especially when you see some of the new arrivals. And by the way, when we're talking about the loan market, I think another manager, um, and I don't think it was through choice on his part, uh, that, that was at the helm where we brought in a lot of loans and it was very short term. Uh, for short-termism, in my view, was Ronnie Dyla. You know, he was faced with quite a lot of loan players, guys that you tend to forget, like Picasso and Tonev, and all these types of players who came and went. And, uh, you know, we didn't get any any real uh, anything back for it. And on the point of Ollie Burke, going back to Kieran Tierney, if Tierney was to leave um, permanently and go to Newcastle, I think they're talking about 30 million, Lloyd, is that right? 30 million to Newcastle? Yeah, something like that. He will become the most expensive footballer in Scottish football history when you combine all the transfer fees taking over the mantle from Oliver Burke. Now, Stephen Ray is coming in to disagree. He's saying, no, the new top is a belter. All the other opinions are wrong. That's what John Hughes says. Everybody else's opinion is wrong if it's not the same as mine. And Stephen Ray is going to go on that. Um, as well. Brennan Rogers is back of course. I'm delighted that he's back. I wasn't delighted that Ange left but like Jim, I think that you know, if you're going to be the manager of Celtic, you've got to have a track record and he's got that. Um, I mean, he, he took uh, Leicester City to the, a European semi-final. People say it was only the Conference League. We've not got to the European semi-final with the Conference League. He did that. He won the FA Cup. He had three very good finishes in terms of league placings and obviously they fell off the edge of a cliff in season four. I'm glad that he's back um, and we've already started signing players. The first one that came in was Odin Thiago Holm. Um, loads of chat around him. Jim, it would appear that he has spent a wee bit of time under the tutelage of the aforementioned Royne Dyla. Some say he's an attacking midfielder. Um, I've read some scout reports where he can play as a defensive midfielder. Looks like a replacement for Moy. Almost. What would you say to that? I don't think Moy was a first pick, so I'm not so sure he's a replacement for Moy. Uh, 
the best midfield for me is Hattati O'Reilly McGregor. So you have to be a good player to upset that three unless one or more of them is leaving. Uh, we could do a bit more physicality in the team. I think that was one of the issues I had last season throughout the team. Uh, Puffy Carter Vickers, there's not much physicality in there. And we could be bullied, particularly in Europe, you know, and, and not that we drop many points here, but any points we drop at home would be because there's a kind of physicality with other teams. So, yeah, we need a bit more physicality. I've no idea. I've never seen the guy, no idea what he's like. But uh, from what I've read about it, sounds quite, sounds quite good. So we'll just have to hear how that kind of pans out. Um, just, 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 just clarify. I think a new manager is, is, a, is a fantastic manager. Uh, I think it's a really good choice. Uh, just a bit concerned about what happened last time. But hey, off we go. No, no, you're right. I understand that because obviously he was pushed on the point, Jim. And he promised, unless he was emptied his words, that he would be here for three years. And what I'm going to say, right, is to link men to Wee Gogsy uh, or Strack, uh, who will be joining Axel live tonight. If Brendan Rodgers, right, was to have a first three seasons back at Celtic where he won the league three times in a row. First two seasons, he won domestic doubles. Season two and three, he got us to the Champions League last 16. That's two consecutive seasons in the last 16 Champions League. If he was to do that in the three years that he's promised that he'll be here, Lloyd, he'd be like a messiah. Do you think that, that Gordon Strachan's a wee bit undervalued at times? Yeah, I do. He's, he was a manager back then that... He didn't get the credit he fully deserved, but when you look back in hindsight on it now, he, he done a cracking job for us considering he had to get that wage bill down. Some of the players he brought in weren't obviously standout names, like Hartley and Robson and that, but they were hard working for the team and they ended up also getting that three in a row back then over the line, which was really tough that season. So it's he done a really great job back then, did God. He really, really did. Do you think it is something that we do as football fans, or Jim? I mean, we criticise, don't we? We we look at every nuance of Celtic Football Club. If they bring out a jersey we don't like, we're going to criticise it. If the CEO says something we don't like, we'll criticise him as well. That's what we do. We're football fans. And I think when we look back on the record, the striking, as I say, if Brendan Rodgers had that record in the next three years, we'd be delighted. We'd be over the moon with that. 100%. Strike, fantastic manager. Uh, Strike. You started that. Uh, I think I think pound for pound you can make an argument he's the best manager since Jock's seen uh, football's about opinions I'm sure lots of people will say don't talk rubbish but he followed Martin O'Neill which is an incredible hard act to follow he wasn't paying players 30-40 imagine, imagine Larson in the Gordon Strachan team I know right? mm-hmm. like, imagine him with Nakamura right so but he had Paul Telfer and McManus and Colwell and Naylor and Kenny Miller and people like Mo Pearson. So, mm-hmm. you know, what he did was absolutely astonishing. In his first game, to get hammered 5 nothing by a media and, and come back from that, and he was getting slaughtered by everyone, basically. He had a much harder, much, much harder time than Ange had when, when he first came in. And because of the history of playing with Aberdeen and all that kind of stuff, that was a difficult thing to do. But I think he's a legendary figure within the game. I think there's very... Very few pundits I would ever listen to. He's one I would listen to. I think he's very intelligent, insightful, really funny guy. But enough of me. Uh, I think that kind of. Uh, <laughs> I think they've done a marvelous job. So to get to the last sixteen twice, with that team is unbelievable. And the game against AC Milan, I, we don't miss a chance quite 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 late on the game. Mm-hmm. They would they would have put us through. With that team, I think that's astonishing, I absolutely yeah. astonishing record he's had. And and if the board. 
Peter Law had a back to him in that fourth season, he wins the league in the fourth season as well. Because we, because we, we, it was, we, worked something, we drew two of the last two, three games, four games, something like that. And if we'd have won one of those games, we'd, we'd, we'd have won the league. So if we had to push the boat out and got a Steve Fletcher, or whoever it was, not Willow Flood, if we'd have got somebody else about a quarter, we'd have won that league. So if you're going to point fingers, that season, it's not Gordon Strachan. And also at the end of the season, he, was, he just you know, that's enough for me. I'll go now. He didn't hang on. You know, so I've got the utmost admiration for Strach. I think he's a fantastic manager for Celtic. And also since he's left Celtic, he's a real Celtic man now. He is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I always remember that, that, that the season that uh, Neil Lennon's first league victory when we were something like 15 points behind and we were playing somebody I don't know who it was uh, when we were 15 behind and John Satanta comment on the Celtic game and he said you can't look too far ahead we would do is just chip away at it you know, try and get it down to 12 maybe maybe 10 maybe just common sense management common sense guy brilliant mm-hmm. look forward yeah, to seeing yeah. yeah yeah um, I remember just recently sharing an uh, uh, interview that he did around about the time of Ange Postecoglou being announced as Celtic's manager and and you look back and he got it spot on he really got it spot on one thing that really interests me about Gordon Strachan, please indulge me for a few moments while I do this. It's been a while since I've been on. And uh, I did this event with him some time ago, which is obviously why we stayed in touch and I got him to do tonight's event um, at Barra's Art and Design. By the way, it's sold out. I've got to say that it is sold out. You'll see on the website, if you go into the tickets, that there's maybe something like 5% left, but obviously half ticket sales have been ongoing as well. It's a sold out gig. If you do fancy coming along, listen, go online and buy a ticket because there's a small percentage of people who won't turn up. That's what happens. We've noticed that in the last 12 gigs or so, there's a very small percentage of people who will buy tickets. The thing will be sold out and they don't turn up for any number of reasons. So you'll be able to buy a ticket if you go on the link underneath if you fancy it on a Friday night at Barra's Art and Design. Cracking venue, by the way. But Gordon Strachan, when he was at Leeds, I love music. And uh, when he was at Leeds, he became really good friends with Tim Booth out of the band, James. Famous for songs like Sometimes, Sit Down, Laid, many others. Fantastic band, love them to bits. And I had no idea about this, right? There are some interviews in the past that he's done about it. Um, but we were sitting in a hotel somewhere in Falkirk and the other guest was Paddy McCourt that night and Gordon phoned him, where are you, Paddy? I'm at such and such a hotel. I was going to come in a couple of hours. I'll tell you what, we'll come and get you because obviously he managed them. So he jumps in his car and we're driving away. Soon I, I'm thinking, I'm sitting in a car. Jim, you've had a few moments like this. I'm sitting in a car with Gordon Strachan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's taking us to some random hotel to pick up Paddy McCourt. Surreal moment, right, for a Celtic fan. And as soon as we jump in the motor and it, and it gets the music starts playing, it's James. So to to try and find some middle ground, I say to him, "Oh, you're, you're a fan of James." He starts, and I say, "Oh, I, I love James. I'm a massive fan of James." He says to me, "You heard the new album?" And I, I've then got to backtrack a wee bit and say, "No, I've not heard that. How <laughs> big a fan am I? How big a fan?" <laughs> I, I could have been a chancer, Jimmy. Told him a wee right. white lie, but then he might have asked me about a lyric or something. And yeah. he told me this incredible story. So Tim Booth's a Leeds United fan, and obviously at that time Gordon Stratton played there, won the second division, won the first division, England Player of the Year, brilliant team Leeds had at the time. And um, they got in touch and they became best mates to the point where every time they tour, Gordon Stratton gets all the treatment and he repays that treatment. So the Lee Griffiths game against England, the two goals that Lee Griffiths scored, James were his special guest. And when Nakamura scores that free kick against Kilmarnock, I don't know if you were in the uh, behind the goals, Jim, I'm not sure if you were in the crowd. I was, I was in the Moffat stand. The Moffat, is it the Moffat stand? Is that what it's called? The one that's mm-hmm. you were the, 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 the right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you were there. James were in there as well. And they got right. spotted. The whole band were in watching Celtic. Right. Brilliant. I love all that kind of trivia. So we, Gordon, um, that's the th- third name I've called him uh, today. He's going to be on stage tonight. If you fancy coming along, as I say, we will be able to accommodate you. Get along to these nights. They're brilliant. And we've also got a comedian to entertain you during the interval. Um, and that comedian is Darren Connell, who has been on a Celtic State of Mind previously. He's not just a, a, a filler. He's not just going to be filling in the space when everybody's at the toilet or at the bar. We're going to have a break. Then we're going to have Darren. <coughs> and then Gordon will come back on. We'll be asking him his views on the new gaffer and the old gaffer. Obviously, his son is still at Celtic. It's going to be a great night. Listen, there's been loads more I wanted to talk about, but I'm sure I can catch up with it next week. I've got to say again, thanks everybody for coming out and support of Axom over the last couple of weeks. It's been brilliant to watch from afar remotely and, and just see James flying as well. We might be like Celtic. One of the big guns might come in, uh, ruffle their feathers and take James to a bigger uh, media organisation than Axon. That's what happens, right? It's happened before, it will happen again. And that's because he's a talented young man. So thank you to James. Thank you to everybody for getting involved. And thank you to Lloyd and Jim for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.